0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL.
1: I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. This first day of the month brings a new podcast. Hello, Scoop Podcast faithful. This is episode 322. Four On this late Tuesday night, the 1st of December, let me empty out my figurative notebook, then I'll get to some conversations. In no particular order, the latest buzz is that Glenn Taylor is likely to remain the Wolves' majority owner heading into the season. Now, I brought up the estate tax angle that... With the Biden administration taking over, that if Glenn is going to sell, and at some point he is going to sell. I've always thought that it's when, not if, that it felt as real as ever this time. He got so far down the road with Daniel E. Strauss, and I heard when Strauss came to town, he had a bunch of lawyers with them. I'm not quite sure Strauss and Taylor ever really got onto the same page, especially personalities-wise. And I'm not convinced that there is a strong market, at least in terms of buyers, that want to keep the team here in Minnesota. So at this point, I can foresee Glenn heading into the season, remaining the majority owner, but continuing to look to bring in somebody a la like five years ago when he almost brought in Steve Kaplan, Jason Levian. Jason Levian, by the way, an interesting name in this mix still. But anyway, remember five years ago when he almost brought in Steve Kaplan, Jason Levian. At like 20 to 30%, maybe bring in somebody, groom them. The original plan years ago. So that scenario absolutely is in play. Now, one new offer, one new phone call. Hey, Glenn is still very open minded to selling. But I'm just saying, I would not be shocked at this point as we sit here, as the calendar is flipped to December, if Glenn Taylor remains the Wolves' majority owner for a while longer. And be careful what you wish for. I got on Twitter, hey, I'm irritated. Hey, Glenn has to sell. Remember, Jimmy Haslam, the Browns owner, at one point showed incredible interest. Would you rather have Jimmy Haslam, which isn't happening, by the way, at this point, but would you rather have Jimmy Haslam as the Wolves majority owner or Glenn Taylor? So just be careful what you wish for. On Jordan McLaughlin, the Wolves want him back. They are saving that 15th contract for Jordan McLaughlin. It's on him, and this may be a good opportunity for him to get paid, but he might just have to be patient. The Wolves want him back, but no surprise, they want him back. Largely on their terms. So, if Jordan wanted to, if he wanted to cave, Jordan McLaughlin would be on an airplane tomorrow morning and he'd be practicing with the Wolves in a couple days. So, he has a decision to make. Will the Wolves bend? I don't think they're going to bend much, but maybe some new talks happen in the next 24 to 48 hours where they bend a little bit. But make no mistake, bottom line is the Wolves want Jordan McLaughlin back. He's a restricted free agent. So the Wolves definitely have the hammer in those negotiations. Nothing new on the Arnie Kander front, the sports science guru who was here in, when was that, 2015? He's incredibly close with Carl Anthony Towns, incredibly close with Ryan Saunders. Gershon Rosas has talked to Arnie. There is a standing offer. If Arnie wants to come back to the organization, the Wolves would welcome him back. With open arms. But he lives in Colorado. He's got his fingerprints on some other NBA projects. It's not like he needs this job. So at this point, it doesn't look like Arnie is rejoining the Wolves. On Campazo, the free agent point guard who landed in Denver, he told Hoops Hype that the Wolves pursued him aggressively. Derek Jones Jr., told the New York Times that the Wolves made him a very interesting free agent pitch that first night of free agency a couple Fridays ago. The Wolves talked trade with the Cavs about Larry Nance Jr. They talked trade with Orlando about Aaron Gordon. They talked trade with Houston about P.J. Tucker. Just another reminder, reading the Campazo story on Hoops Hype earlier today, that the Wolves pre-draft, draft night, That first day of free agency, those first 48 hours of free agency, had their fingerprints on all sorts of potential moves. It's not like it was just Ricky Rubio and Ed Davis or bust. I mean, there were numerous scenarios where Rubio doesn't land here, where Ed Davis doesn't land here. The plan all along was to retain Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, their two main restricted free agents, which they did. On Hernan Gomez, I'm told his incentives are not reachable. His third year option date is June 30th. 2022 On the Gopher football front, I hear there's optimism that they will be able to reopen the football offices on Thursday. All signs point to them being able to play the game at Nebraska on December 12th. There is some chatter December 19th instead of playing a crossover game that the Gophers could potentially make up that game at Madison against Wisconsin. Kirk Herbstreit, who's great on ESPN on Tuesday night on ESPN, laid out a pretty bold accusation that he hears that some teams have bailed out from games for the fear of of being blown out. They wanted to avoid the humiliation of, of being blown out. I can just tell you because the Gopher football season has not been great so far for myriad reasons. But the Gophers absolutely wanted to play a couple weeks ago at Wisconsin. They wanted to play this week against Northwestern. It's legit over there. I mean, it's over 20 players with COVID-19, over 20 staff members with COVID-19. I know of one very well-known player that has tested positive, no symptoms. I mean, for the most part, no symptoms. So all these positive cases over there and it has spread over there. I mean, I know one staff member who is positive, he got it from a player. It just it, you know, you're in close proximity, it's going to spread that way, but thankfully no major symptoms from just about everyone over there. So all signs point to the Gophers being able to get back to work here pretty quick and prepare for that Nebraska game on December 12th. Will Parks, the safety, let go by the Philadelphia Eagles today. The Vikings had some trade interest in him a few weeks ago. They actually offered him in March more money than Philadelphia. He is subject to waivers. Does he get to the Vikings? Do the Texans claim him? Do the Lions Claim him. The Lions also made him an offer back in March, but if he gets to the Vikings, keep an eye on the Vikings potentially claiming the safety that played in Philadelphia. We know, I know at least, that they really like him. Dalvin Cook is fine. He'll be good to go Sunday against Jacksonville. Adam Thielen expected back tomorrow, Wednesday, for the Vikings. Ezra Cleveland is feeling a lot better. The foot injury, it looks like he should be back practicing before the week is over. Maybe not necessarily Wednesday, but potentially Thursday or Friday, whether he plays Sunday against Jacksonville remains to be seen. But I do know that Cleveland is doing very, very well. The Vikings had a scout at the Iowa-Nebraska game last weekend and the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game. On the Twins front, we all know that CHS Field, the St. Paul Saints, will be the Twins' AAA affiliate. It's something we've talked about going back months upon months. It's always pointed this direction. But in terms of an official announcement – Don't look for an official announcement anytime super soon. Yes, before the month is over, but it's not like it's happening late tonight or even tomorrow. No sense it'll happen tomorrow, Wednesday, December 2nd. We are still a few days out from an official announcement, but it is happening. Too bad on Trevor May. He is off to the Mets. Good for him. The new Mets owner, Cohen, is willing to spend all sorts of money, two-year deal, for approximately $15 million. I'm led to believe that the Twins were not going that far with May, that That they had interest in retaining him. Certainly talked to his agent. But that in the end, I'm not quite sure the Twins were willing to go that high. Seven and a half million dollars per year for Trevor May. But good for Trevor. Really good guy. On Nelly Cruz, nothing really new. No rush. I mean, he is waiting for clarity on whether the National League adopts the DH in 2021. So he is in no rush. He is not taking the Twins' one-year offer. It isn't happening. All it takes is one team making a two-year offer. Yeah, all things considered, Nelly wants to be back, but if another team makes a two-year offer and the Twins just leave their one-year offer on the table, I'm sorry, he will be elsewhere. So the Twins have some work to do to retain Nelly Cruz. But I'm telling you, all things equal. He loves it here. He would love to be back. The De Rizzi market is strong. We've seen the starting pitching market be pretty strong so far. That is the one headline from early free agency in Major League Baseball. I'm told so far, now all it takes is one new phone call and offer, but so far the Twins are not nearly as aggressive as some other teams are. But like Nelly, Oda Rizzi, all things considered, wants to be back. So if the Twins make a competitive offer, I can see him back. But right now, other teams are being way more aggressive Than the twins. The twins were in on Charlie Morton until the very end, but he signs one year, $15 million with the Atlanta Braves. The twins tried on him to some extent, although two years ago, the signs pointed to them not landing him. I guess the signs pointed that direction again this year that he wanted to be close to Florida, and Atlanta Spring training site is closer to his Florida home where his family is. So all signs pointed to him not coming here, but the twins certainly made an effort. To sign Charlie Morton. They had interest in Mike Minor, but he got paid by Kansas City. No sense the Twins were willing to do that contract. He got like 17, 18 million over two years from the Royals, but the Twins did have interest in Mike Minor. The Twins remain interested in Corey Kluber. All right, let's get to some conversations. I caught up via Zoom earlier today with new Wolves forward Ronde Hollis Jefferson. He was on his way to the airport, so presumably by the time you listen to this, he is already in Minnesota. He'll go through the COVID testing and should be on the court when the Wolves have their full team workouts in a few days. The Wolves getting Rondé Hollis Jefferson on one heck of a deal, a non-guaranteed contract. John Hollinger, who I respect at The Athletic, had Jefferson entering free agency at around $11.5 million per year. We get it. There are shooting warts, but he can guard the one position, two position, three position, four position, and five position. He legitimately can guard all five positions. He's only 25. For the Wolves to get him on a non-guaranteed contract is one heck of an addition. I can't see him making the team. Now, would they punt on Jalen Noel? He's got a non-guaranteed contract. If Jordan McLaughlin comes back, there would be a guarantee there. So the decision would be Nas Reed non-guaranteed, Jalen Noel non-guaranteed, or is there a different trade to be made? Nas Reed will be here. So the question is, is it Jalen Noel, or do they work out some other transaction if they end up adding Hollis Jefferson to their roster? But right now, they can just get a look at him for a couple weeks. They don't have to make an immediate decision on the non-guarantee. Here's my conversation from earlier today. It goes in and out. He was in the car, so the cell phone reception wasn't great. We actually did it via Zoom because that's the technology I was able to record him. Via, when at my house. So it goes in and out a little bit, but there's enough here where you can enjoy it. So we'll start with my conversation from earlier today with Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And the way I edit it is I asked him just his thoughts, his excitement level on coming here to Minnesota. I hit the record button too late. So I lead into my conversation with Rondé Hollis Jefferson with that very question. How excited are you to come to Minnesota?
2: Exciting, you know, to get there, get the work couple of familiar faces in the in the program. Um, just looking looking forward to you know working for an organization who you know on the rise. Why
1: is this such a good fit for you?
2: Oh uh, they got a young core you know they got a young core guys I, I've known and I've got to play with uh, extremely talented, you know, youthful, love the game, uh, knowledgeable, passionate. So it, it only makes sense.
1: Have you had a chance yet to talk to Coach Saunders or, or Gerson Rosas?
2: Uh, yeah, I talked to, talk to Coach. You know, we, um, we just talked about, you know, everything uh, moving forward, you know, trying to build, trying to grow, Coach being young and uh, willing to learn and accept, you know, that, that we're players and, and we understand the game, um, which was extremely uh, helpful in, you know, making a decision.
1: Is your mindset, Rondé, that that you're coming here and you are going to win a job, even though it's a non-guaranteed contract? With with your history in this league, with your versatility, that undoubtedly you're going to be part of the opening night roster.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's always been the case for me. I've always been a worker. Um, I love the game. I love the I love the energy around the game. So you know, just coming in there and just doing what I've been doing my whole life, uh, the rest is history.
1: Can you speak to your defensive versatility? I mean, you literally can guard one, two, three, four, and five. Rondé, I'm not aware of many players that have that sort of versatility to guard all five positions.
2: Oh, man, it, it, it really truly comes from me being from where I'm from. I'm uh, just a tough, prideful defender who, who cares about, you know, whether a guy scores on them, whether a guy, you know, makes him look bad. And, and that just made me who I am today on the defensive end. That and going against older people my whole life. When I was 12, my AU coach put us against 19-year-olds. Like that, those type of things toughened us up. It made us, you know, accept those challenges.
1: How far along has your shot come in the last few months? Do you feel like your shot is at a really good spot right now?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, the biggest thing with me was the mental challenge the building the consistent uh habits of the process man you fall in love with the process and the grind and then everything else takes care of itself you can't like i know for instance i i kind of focus on you know the beginning of my career focus on a lot of makes misses that was that was the whole process for me but as you get older and you get more mature you start to realize you know it's, it's bigger than just the outcome it's about getting to the outcome so I focus more so on a process and building a consistent habit uh, with my shooting, with my shooting coach. And, uh, and I feel really good about it.
1: Did you also change your mechanics a little bit? So you touch on some of the, some of the mental aspects, but, but just mechanically, yeah. did you change your, your shot release a little bit?
2: Yeah. I try, I, I, I try to, to really, really focus on, you know, not bringing the ball over my head um, and over exaggerating the extension on how far it was from my body and going straight up from there. I know once you go back to the natural way of shooting, it'll kind of just feel more comfortable, but over-exaggerating, you know, having it away from your body and going up kind of helps you from bringing it back over your head. So once I I, I started working on that and, and doing it twice a day going in the gym and just shooting and shooting um, and really, you know, thinking about it consciously it started to, you know, you start to feel it like when you wake up the next day and you go shoot. You're not worried about, oh, do I shoot like this or no? You're like, this is how I shoot. So now it's just about doing it day in, day out and just believing in it. And then the rest it, take care of itself.
1: You really like to involve your teammates. I mean, just looking at your assist numbers, your assist rate numbers. I mean, you really enjoy setting up your teammates, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. When I, like, when I was growing up, I was always either the best kid on the team or the biggest. So like the coach would just give me the ball. And I was never a selfish guy where I would go get 30. It would be like, all right, Randy has 18, but he has nine rebounds and seven assists or whatever the case may be. It was just because I I felt the joy in seeing my teammates happy as well. Because I knew I had the ball. So I knew it was like, all right, I can get to the basket when I want to. I can make a drive or a play when I want to, but I'm going to need you guys to help me on defense. I'm going to need you guys to you know, feel this energy as well. So now as I'm being a facilitator, I know if he made that shot or he got that layup, he's going to help me on defense if I get beat. So that that's always been my mindset. Um, and, it, and it's worked for me extremely well.
1: How maddening, Rondé, was the free agent process, and how many different opportunities did you have where Minnesota stood out over over other offers?
2: Um, yeah, I had I had quite a few offers, you know. And um, the biggest thing for me was just uh, being able to come in and compete and have that have that chance to be able to show, you know, who I truly am um, and just what I, I I've been able to do on a on a day in and day out basis, uh, coming in and competing ten years old. Uh, playing in New Jersey, um, I've known Diego for a little while now. Ed Davis is like one of my my closest friends in the NBA, so like, it, it, it just all made sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what? Expound on that. I mean, Ed Davis is literally one of your one of
2: your best friends. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Me and Ed talk, if not every day, you know, every other day, um, just about life. You know, about our kids. Uh, about our families, about, you know, what what we think really state wise. Um, what, what, what we think about just everything and um, he's someone I can confide in and, and talk about everything with. Um, I talked to him about this whole process. So um, he's definitely one of my closest friends and, and I appreciate our relationship. And then
1: expound on your relationship with D'Angelo Russell, with D'Lo, how close you guys are.
2: Uh D-Lo is my guy, man. Um, we, we, we've known each other since about the draft. Well, college a little bit because we played in a tournament. Um, you know, I had to do my thing on him. We had to put him out the tournament. Uh, but, uh, you know, once he came to Brooklyn, that's where it really happened. We really got close. Uh, we started to go to dinners. We started to, you know, just chat a little bit. Um, and that's kind of where where we took our stride, and then those games where we would play, and we, we it would be us two, you know, back to back. Like he would score, I would score, I would get a stop. He, you know what I'm saying? It, it just we thrived off each other, um, and that helped us get over the hump a lot of times. So um, we we've been close close ever since, and there's no looking back from there.
1: As we get to know you, Rondé, what will surprise us about you?
2: Oh man. <laughs> I think I, I'm pretty much an open book, man. So, like, I feel like everything that you know, as a player, as a person, um, you name. I feel like over the past five years, the the world has seen, you know, the the Rondé off the court, who I am as a person, and how much I care about the people, how much I care about evolving and changing the world. I think that that's something that you know a lot more people should understand that. I'm a grinder, I'm, I'm a workhorse, uh, and I love basketball, but I also care about our world and our society. So uh, expect a lot of things, uh, you know, outside of basketball that, that does catch my eye and does catch my attention just to make, make change in the world.
1: Do you play with a chip on your shoulder? Or are you one that now has a chip on your shoulder?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've always had a chip on my shoulder. You know, I come from a place where they, they care nothing about people. Um, and that that's always been my motto. Um, so <laughs> you can definitely expect, you know, coming in a dude who has no time to be around a bush, who has no time to play the, play the game of the, of the, of, of the friend when you see me on the court, once we step in between the lines, it's business, it's, it's nothing personal. So, um, expect my best every night.
1: I'll leave you with this one thing that does surprise me. So, my older son is doing the distant learning thing. So, he has your card, okay, from a couple of years ago. Yeah. And on the nice. back of the card, it says that you are close friends with a couple of figure skaters, Olympic figure skaters.
2: Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes.
1: The Shibutanis. Yeah. So, where, where did that relationship come from? And, and it, it must just speak to just how eclectic you are, and you probably have a wide range of, of friends.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it it started with the organization that I'm a part of uh, called Right to Play. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, They they just uh, they help kids. They teach kids to play. And it's very, it's very unique in the sense of if we know our our youth and we understand them, that they love to enjoy themselves. And that's one thing we can't take away from the world and which we do through rules, through law, through responsibility, we strip our people of fun as we get older, as we grow in the world. And something our our organization does is we really focus on teaching them through a sport. And you can teach them math, you can teach them about life lessons, you can teach them about science, whatever the case may be, you can teach them through an activity. So they really focus on that. And um, I went to the gala in New York about Five years ago, I want to say, it was at Chipriani's, and I was in the room. I didn't know not one person. I was sitting in the room and we kind of like, it was like we made eye contact. And then next thing you know, we're bumping up shoulders and we're just talking. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're skating and blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, we're texting. And then it just, it just was awesome. They're they're great. It's uh, a brother and a sister. Um and they're wonderful, awesome people.
1: Wolves forward, Ronde Hollis Jefferson. All right, let's now transition to a bunch of twins conversations I had in the last few days. Let me begin with Assistant General Manager Jeremy Zoll. The big decision that the twins have to make, at least, you know, sequentially, would be seven o'clock, Wednesday night, Eddie Rosario, Taylor Rogers, their other arbitration eligible players. Will they tender those guys' contracts? All are pretty much no-brainers. In fact, I'm pretty sure Taylor Rogers is even a no-brainer. But like Tyler Duffy, we know, is a no-brainer. The one question mark is Eddie Rosario. Will the Twins tender Eddie Rosario a contract? Not quite sure they will. I got into that and other topics with Twins assistant GM Jeremy Zoll. jeremy give or take it was about a year ago when you went from from director of, of minor league operations to to assistant general manager just take us through that transition and how over the last year that transition has gone
3: yeah uh super grateful for um for that opportunity given given to me by by derek and fad and have um, really enjoyed um this this past year um in that transition um, that transition came with a promotion for alex hassan to Uh, director of player development as well so uh in the early going worked hard to to get alex as up to speed as possible obviously he was uh integral to to our operation as assistant director uh, previously but um in in taking that next step making sure he felt like he had everything he needed um to to make sure he could keep the keep the train moving and find new opportunities for us Uh, that transition ended up being quite unique given the fact that the minor league season was was canceled and we moved to alternate site models but Um, you know, it's been, it's been really good to see Alex take that next step and partner with him to continue to help our player development experience. Uh, for me, another step included, um, oversight of our, um, of our high performance team with Dr. Christopher camp and, um, and, and being uh, a bit more involved in major league operations in general. So, um, you know, COVID definitely threw a number of challenges at us and, and our new head athletic trainer, Michael Salazar and the whole team, but, um, it's been, uh, it's been a really good process over the last year and i think we have some good opportunities to keep building on for for 2021 on those good opportunities
1: by the way i talked to alex a couple of weeks ago i mean he's incredibly sharp i mean really really good guy but but on those opportunities jeremy i mean is this about the time that, that things start to ramp up as the calendar flips here to december i mean is this really when things start to really take shape
3: yeah definitely i think we we normally always have that that winter meetings marker as as something in our heads of oh um, you know, oh, when those when, when we head down to where, whatever city it's in, when the winter meetings happen, uh, that, that ends up feeling like some type of artificial marker that, that seems to kickstart some activity. Um, obviously, there's been some signings that have taken place over the last uh, last couple of weeks here, but uh, without the winter meetings happening and, and everything shifting to virtual in that regard, I, uh, I'm not positive it'll serve as exactly the same marker, but I think with with having a month for everyone after the World Series to get their feet under them, have a better, Understanding of um, some initial markers and um, sorting through team needs um, super deeply w- with with internal uh, replacements or the opportunity to bring guys back who are leaving uh, that allows for some of the conversations to progress as we head into December and and through the holidays.
1: On some of those internal decisions, I mean, I suppose things will ramp up here even even in the next forty eight hours. Like I think about tomorrow, the expected announcement of of some of the minor league cities you know there's there's talk of Wichita double A with you guys St. Paul triple A and then then Wednesday being the the non-tender deadline so on those internal decisions how how tough are some of those non-tender decisions
3: yeah definitely so many factors to work through there and um you know we, we were able to use uh the opportunity in in the the weeks leading up to this to um to work through some of those decisions factor in how you know are there agreements we can come to ahead of time are there, um trade possibilities we should be vetting and that allows Derek and Thad and, and the group to really work through a number of different conversations uh so that we feel before we do make make any of those decisions, uh tender, non-tender otherwise, we we feel like we have as much information at our disposal to to finalize those.
1: How about just this atypical time though, the uncertainty, you know, specifically financially? Like maybe a normal year, maybe it's an easy decision. Okay, of course we're going to tender a guy like Eddie Rosario, but but with the financial climate, so so who knows, right? I mean, like there are so many unanswered questions. How does that factor into into the decisions you guys will make?
3: Yeah, there there to your point. There's there's a ton of unknowns and um I as much as we we try to guess or 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 work on formulating internal predictions on how things might shake out across the league, no no one's going to know until until we we cross that deadline and um you know, once we once we get through that that deadline point, um here on Wednesday we'll be able to um, really assess how some things played out, and if there are any other new opportunities that maybe we uh, that were unforeseen, you know, prior.
1: On Rosario, I brought up his name, Jeremy. I mean, good player. I mean, is there a sense that if you guys can can make it work, that that
3: you would welcome Eddie back with open arms? I mean, what what Eddie's done for the organization, you know, coming coming up through the system, but over over his time here over the last five years, it's um, you know he's he's been an important piece of the. Um, of the of the puzzle and a, and a positive offensive contributor for the, for the organization. So you know we want to remain open to, to any and all possibilities that that we're thinking about. I think one of the things that Derek and Pat have done have done such a phenomenal job of of over the last few years is remaining open minded and, and creative uh, to to how we solve any of our uh, roster decisions and and see this one as as very similar. How much
1: easier is it to be open minded and creative when when you have the depth that you do. Like, I think about a guy like Brent Rooker and Trevor Larnik, and we saw Alex Kirloff come up at the end of the year. So specifically when talking about outfield depth, you guys have
3: that. Yeah, I think, I think some of the names you brought up and others just, just add options and opportunities for us to to explore and, um, you know, to see what Brent did when he came up um, in the big leagues before uh, taking a hit by pitch off the forearm, you know, was was really cool to see after all the work he's put in to, to put himself in a spot to, to to really match lefties and um, and serve as a as a right-handed bat in the lineup, so um, all of the guys that that we're looking at give us give us opportunities to to solve the problem problems we're trying to solve with the roster, with betting the trade market, um, with considering free agents and and so on. So we're you know the, the more options you have, the the more creative you can be for sure.
1: How is Brent? Speaking of Brent, how is how is Brent doing after his surgery?
3: Yeah, his his rehab has gone uh, super smoothly here. Um, there was, there was a pretty, pretty long, uh, rest and recovery period following that surgery, make sure there's no infections in the, uh, at the surgery site or anything along those lines. But he's met all of those, uh, markers so far and, and is able to start progressing with baseball activity here. So we expect him to be full go for spring training and, um, and, and really have no concerns at this point that he'll, he'll be back at hundred percent for us.
1: Then I suppose the other guy that had off season surgery, Jorge Polanco, how's, how's Jorge doing?
3: Yeah, Jorge is down in Fort Myers right now, um, rehabbing with with our group that that's based out of there, and um, and he he's making uh, really nice progress as well. It was ultimately um, a successful surgery, relatively minor procedure, and I think should alleviate um, some of the pain that he was he's dealing with and navigating down the stretch there in in his ankle. So hopefully, uh, we're in a good spot there to, to hit the ground running in twenty twenty one.
1: You touched on the on the virtual winter meetings. What exactly? Will that look like next week? How, how will that look like? Will you guys all gather, you know, maybe socially distanced, but will you be at target field with Thad and Derek and everybody or how exactly will that,
3: will that work? Uh, we, we have a pretty good routine happening right now with, with our zoom schedules and meetings and, and utilizing mediums like Slack and, and such. So um, we, we, we haven't fully sorted some of that out. I think some of it will, will get ironed out over the course of the week, but um, you know, we've, we've been able to create some, some systems and processes to allow us to navigate that, uh, allow us to navigate that as well as we can. Um, I think the good news is like the, uh, with, with how much technology has shifted things, uh, for, for how a, any organization does business, um, and makes something like this possible to do, uh, to do virtually. Whereas maybe, maybe prior to that, um, you know, 20 years ago or so that would have been, uh, you know, basically impossible.
1: The starting pitcher market is it moving maybe a little bit faster than than you guys thought? I mean, Robbie Ray off the board. I just saw that that Mike Miner signed with the Royals. Charlie Morton, who I know you guys had some interest in, off the board. Drew Smiley off the board. You know, Stroman, uh, the Giants pitcher, you know, accepted his his qualifying offer. So I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys that are already off the board.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's always interesting to see which which guys are are more interested in signing first, in moving quickly if possible or not. Um, you know, I'd have to look back to see if it seems like that's uh, you know consistently the same the same position group or or if it's different types of players. It does seem to be a bit of a coincidence this year that uh, there's kind of been this run on the starting pitchers that have gone off the board first here more than more than any other position. But um, you know, it's something that we're definitely monitoring closely to, to see how it evolves and making sure that we're, um you know, continuing to evaluate the, the remaining options to see who might might fit best. I mean, I suppose the beauty is like you have
1: a number one. I mean, the guy was, was runner up for Cy Young and Kenta Maeda. If Barrios is your two, you've got Pineda back. You know, Randy Dobnek is is a good, you know, depth guy. You've got some other depth options where sure. I'm sure you're looking to add a starter or two, maybe re-sign Rizzy, you know, whatever, but, but you have some guys already under contract for next year.
3: No doubt. This offseason feels feels notably different than last offseason, where we were coming in looking at um Barrios, you know, anchoring down the rotation for sure. And then um, you know, unclear, you know, wanting to know more about how Randy Dominak might be able to back up what he had done in 2019 and um, you know, trying to figure out the, the next steps that that Lewis Thorpe and Devin Smeltzer might take. We, we were able to learn more about all those guys this year. And to your point, have um, Maeda and Pineda uh, locked into the rotation already. So that allows us to to navigate uh, few, fewer fewer needs and holes to solve for. And um, I think we're in, we're in a good spot to, to figure those things out.
1: You talk about learning more about some specific guys there. Who,
3: who or what surprised you in 2020? Uh, I think that 2020 was was full of surprises, uh, primarily uh, world world pandemic related, but um, you know I think whenever you see. Um, someone a situation occur like what what Randy. I did in 2019 climbing four levels and um, you know going from high all the way up to the big leagues and performing well and then you just have those unknowns and. Um, I don't know if it, if I would go full-blown surprise in that regard because we we liked what he had done and he had shown a lot of markers uh, that he was going to be able to continue to be successful. But to see him uh, roll out there for uh, ten or so starts and and continue to do his thing, continue to fill up the strike zone, um, you know, was really cool to see. And and I think um, you you never know uh, when when someone has that quick of a run through through a system what that might look like. And um, that that was a real real positive for us for sure. Jeremy,
1: how do you guys balance just the the wacky nature of twenty twenty? Like, I think about a guy like Taylor Rogers. Like to me, that's a no brainer. I would tender Taylor Rogers, but but the numbers dipped in twenty twenty. But like, it was still a relatively small sample size. So whether it's Taylor or another player, good or bad, how are you guys balancing what what you saw in twenty twenty?
3: Yeah, it, it's a really hard problem to. To solve that, I don't know that anyone has perfect answers for. Unfortunately, I wish we did, but you know, it. it as we look at uh, what happened during the 2020 season, it'd be the equivalent of a full season trying to make decisions after you know, right after the the calendar turns to June, and usually, usually teams are pretty uncomfortable doing that, wanting to allow things to play out over um, the course of June and July into the trade deadline, and and obviously over the course of the full season where where relevant. So. That definitely makes things challenging. We do our best to look at some underlying markers and factor in all the information we can, but um, it's, it's definitely um, a, a unique situation and, and a harder problem to solve than, than normal. Um, so so we're, we're doing our best to, to get to the bottom of all that.
1: How would you classify how trade talks are going right now? I mean, if you want to lay out specifics, go for it, but generally speaking, how would you classify how trade talks are going?
3: It feels familiar to me personally in the realm of lots of, um, you know, essentially all the teams checking in with one another and, and we're, we're get, you know, getting updates of needs and um, potential areas of surplus and, and how teams are um, viewing what what they're trying to tackle and, and, and where they might be more comfortable dealing from or not. So um, a lot of information gathering over the course of uh, November, which, which feels, you know, more familiar than not compared to prior years. So not nothing um too crazy different in that regard, despite the unique circumstances of, of twenty twenty and, and the and the off season But um, you know, we'll we'll see if that, that changes at all over the course of uh this month heading into heading into Christmas.
1: On your guys' needs, I mean I guess what what are your guys' needs? I mean, I suppose, you know, signing a pitcher, maybe just re-signing Odo, but but signing a starter, I mean you have some free agent relievers. So I suppose you know, re-signing one or two of those guys or signing an outside reliever and maybe utility guy. And, and obviously Nelly's up in the air, but but when talking about your guys' needs, what are they?
3: Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of the right the right areas there. You know, we feel like we have um really strong cores in um in the rotation and and in the bullpen, but um rounding out um the, the depth and the pieces. Uh, for those areas is is definitely important. With the losses that uh, we're looking at, with you know losing Odorizzi and Hill and and Romo and Clippert and and so on, so um, you know rounding out both of those groups will definitely be important. And um, you know with with both um, Marwin and and Adrianza becoming uh, free agents, you know taking a look at ways to to solve the utility problem is definitely on our minds. And um, you know. the to to some of the earlier points we've talked about and and thinking about position flexibility it does allow for uh some potential creative solutions there to to think through and different ways that we might be able to to go about solving that problem depending on uh some decisions there
1: on nelly how much of of a priority is it to to find a way to bring him back
3: yeah I, i mean what he's done over the last two years for for the organization has been has been phenomenal and um you know he continues to. Um, continues to put up great numbers um, as, as one of the, you know, as, as an unbelievable right-handed bat in a, in a lineup that, that's done great things over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, we're, we're doing our best to continue to, to find ways to, to make that all work. And um, it's definitely, definitely front of mind for, for the group.
1: I mean, he defies all logic in so many different ways, right, Jeremy, where, where you just don't expect a 40-year-old to do what he did Like, I don't know what to expect if, if, if he's back or wherever he is, he's going to play for somebody next year. Like what to expect at the age of 41, right? Like, I don't know how to, how to comprehend that.
3: I I hear you. And he, he's definitely putting himself in some, some pretty unique and and rare territory with what he's done. So, um, you know, it's a credit to to him and, and the work that he's put in to, to maintain his body and, and, and stay healthy and, um, you know, he's, he's extremely committed to that with with how he prioritizes sleep and nutrition and his workout regimen. So, um, you know, for, for him to be able to continue to produce at, at that age, you know, he deserves all the credit for that, for sure.
1: On Odo Rizzi, is there a sense, Jeremy, that, that he's more the pitcher we saw in 2019 the 2020? Speaking of the atypical nature of 2020, that that those injuries he had were just really weird injuries, and it was just one of those weird years for, for Odo that that he can be that all-star that we saw two years ago.
3: Yeah. I, I'm, you know, unfortunately for Jake, it really just seemed like he couldn't catch a break this year with, you know, hitting, hitting three different injuries over the course of, uh, of, of a short season and three totally uh, unique and un- unrelated ones with um, with, with the side issue and, and with getting hit, hit by a line drive and then a blister and um, you know, just, just so unfortunate that he couldn't uh, get rolling. So um you know, it, I think when you look at um Jake's 2020, hard to, hard to look at it too, too closely, given how, how few innings he actually pitched and, and the, the things that he was navigating um, to, with, with the, with the difficulty staying healthy.
1: How impressive was it that Kirloff was able to manage what he did when, when you guys summoned him? I mean, that swing is, is so pretty. I'm on record, Jeremy. I think it's why not if that, that he wins a batting title. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later and it's with you guys, but but I just, the future to me is so incredibly bright for, for Kirillov.
3: Yeah, it was um, really, really exciting moment for Alex, his family, the the whole um, player development and, and scouting, uh, all of the members of, of player development and scouting within the organization to see Alex come up. Um, you know, he, he navigated some injuries of his own throughout his, his minor league career, continued to uh, just keep on doing his thing and um, put himself in a position where um, we were able to, to to make a call in in a playoff series to, to give him an opportunity it was was unbelievable for him and uh, cool to see him step in and um, you know step right into a lineup and put together some some really uh, professional at bats and uh, and get get that first hit uh, on the board for him.
1: So you're just you're anchored at home right now, and it's just a lot of what we're doing right now: Zoom calls with. With Derek, Thad, Rob and, and the rest of the front office as you guys plan everything out?
3: Yeah right now the target field offices remain closed except for essential business as as we work to um, keep everyone safe and healthy so um, we have a, a daily call amongst uh, Derek and Thad and the in the AGM group um, to, to make sure that we're all getting the relevant updates in all different directions and then a number of different additional zoom calls throughout the day uh, with various other members of, of the baseball operations group and Uh, doing our best to find all the ways to keep everyone in the fold and bringing all the ideas to the table. But um, yes, it's, it's been anchored down at home and and certainly been an interesting experience.
1: I'll leave you with this. I mean, what, what can you leave Twins fans with Jeremy just to to excite them as as they're looking forward to seeing what what you guys do here in in the coming weeks?
3: Yeah. I mean, when, when I look at, what, what's happened over the last two years to 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 have to have won back-to-back division titles and feel like um the core of the team is um extremely intact and and some really um interesting opportunities that we're going to be able to pursue to to supplement that group um you know i i don't know that there's a better time to to be a twins fan and and what what lies ahead um in 2021 and beyond with this crew is is really exciting for all of us so looking forward to um to being a part of it for sure.
1: And there are some interesting opportunities out there, some out of the box ideas. I mean, do you guys just toss around like I'm a big NBA fan, so I I all the I all the time play on the on the trade machine on ESPN. (laughs) Suchin you may know with the wolves help create we need
3: one of those we need one of those boards. We need one of those magic boards like they have to make the trade machine all work.
1: Yeah so I mean do you
3: guys have fun Um, with that though just to throw out different ideas? Totally, totally. I think, I think, um, you know, if you're not throwing out some wild ideas along the way, then you're you're going to have trouble getting to the best one. So um, Derek and Thad do an awesome job of um, fostering that in environment where we can do that, of, of trying to spark discussion of, of bringing different ideas to the table of making sure we have our finger on the pulse um, with all the different teams. And, um, and I think that that allows eventually those um, outside the box or creative solutions to come to the table and, you know, sometimes they, they take a bit longer to come to fruition, um, if if no better example than the, the Kenta Maeda trade from last, last offseason, and, you know, ultimately how long that took to um, to come together and how late in the offseason it did come together, but um, th- those opportunities only come about if, if you're laying out the process that uh, Derek and Thad have done, and, and we're looking forward to continuing to to build on that.
1: You look forward to that. I'll look forward to you guys trading for Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, got to think out of the box, right, Jeremy? I'm just joking. On, there you on go. Mike. There, yeah, you absolutely. Go. But it has to be fun, Jeremy. Thank you for doing this. Stay safe, and uh, and I'll certainly be in touch.
3: You got it. Thanks so much, Darren.
1: Twins assistant general manager Jeremy Zoll. bright guy. I can surely see him one day. Young enough guy. I can surely see him one day running his own front office. So I talked to Jeremy on Monday. Signs were pointing to Tuesday today. Being the day that Major League Baseball would announce all the new minor league affiliates, well, it didn't happen today. It doesn't look like a reminder. It's happening tomorrow. It is going to happen. It'll happen this month, but maybe more realistic is sometime early next week. I also asked Jeremy about Brent Rooker. He gave me a legit answer on Brent, but I figured, hey, why not just go to the source himself? So I caught up with Brent Rooker, twins outfielder slash first baseman. Here's my conversation with Brent Rooker have you had a chance the last couple of weeks just to reflect on on just the roller coaster of of all the good and then the unfortunate injury that that 2020 brought your way
4: yeah for sure um you know I, like you said it was definitely kind of a kind of a whirlwind of a couple of weeks there obviously getting the initial call up was extremely exciting and then really fun to just kind of get get my feet wet get starting to roll um starting to start to play an important part of the team uh play well and then to have it all in so quickly was obviously uh not the way I, you know i wanted it to end um it definitely uh it in, in a different way than i wish it would have but i'm thankful for that experience i got um during that you know week and a half two weeks uh you know just the initial opportunity to get up and start playing and kind of see what everything's about and kind of get used to the routine was um you know something i think will pay off in the future
3: take
1: me back to that moment was it alex hasson who made the phone call to you the night before saying hey brent you know head over here to target fields you're you're joining the big league roster yeah, it was Alex called me um,
4: about 10.30 that night, I guess. Uh, we had a day game double the next day. So first pitch, I guess the first game was 1 p.m. Um, and he called me at about 10.30 that evening and said, get over there in the morning, be ready to play. Um, I think you're in the lineup for the first game, which I was. So obviously that call was really fun. It was one I've been waiting on for a long time, you know, one I've kind of been dreaming about um, forever. So it was it was a pretty cool moment.
1: Then that first plate appearance, correct me if I'm wrong, were you hit by a pitch or you get in the batter's box, Presumably you're all jacked up. And next thing you know, you're hit by a pitch.
4: Yeah, I got to 0-2 pretty quickly and then it was able to battle back and then I got the 2-2 and then he tried to throw back to a back foot slider that uh, ended up coming a little bit too far in and hitting me. So it was kind of a nice way to get the first, uh, you know, on base thing out of the way, uh, ease the nerves a little bit and maybe made me a little more comfortable moving forward.
1: And then later that game, first hit, first RBI.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I guess that was game two of the doubleheader. I got the first hit and the first RBI. Um, which was really cool. Obviously, you kind of want to get those things out of the way as early as you can, so you can just kind of settle in and, and start to you know go through your at-bats. I'm like you always have, not be pressing and worried about kind of getting the milestones um, too quickly. So it's nice to get those out of the way.
1: Where do you have the ball?
4: Um, the first hit ball is behind me. If I can turn, you can see it. It's on the shelf. Yeah, the nice.
2: Here, one of those.
4: Uh, we got a little case for it and everything, so we got it all framed up and uh, sitting on the shelf in uh, our little office at our house.
1: I mean, you got a hold of that ball, right? Wasn't it like a rocket? I mean, you know, we're we're big now. You know, us stat heads on, on exit velo, right? I mean, the exit velo of, of that first hit, if, if I recall, was was pretty darn high.
4: Yeah, I think it was one twelve point something and I hit it pretty good. Uh, it was the first pitch to the bat. Um, I kind of had an idea of what I thought he was going to try to do first pitch, so I jumped on uh, jumped on early and was able to, you know, put a good swing on it. Hit it on the barrel, and when you do those two things, you know, good things happen most of the time.
1: Take me back to your, to your first major league home run. You got that out of the way. That was, that was where at, at Bush stadium. Yeah. That was in St. Louis. Yeah. Take me back to that. Uh, was,
4: yeah, that was awesome. Uh, again, another another doubleheader. It seemed to kind of had a lot of those this year, but um, it was game two of that doubleheader actually uh, first at bat of the game, which was, which was really cool. And, you know, St. Louis was the stadium I grew up going to. That was the the major league team that me and my family kind of grew up being fans of. So, that was pretty cool to be able to do it there as well. Um, obviously, it's it's a pretty quick drive from um, from Memphis, where my parents live. It Would have been great to have them there, but to have the you know know that they were watching um, and kind of watching me get to play in the same stadium we grew up going to watch games. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, just how weird was that? That normal circumstances, mom and dad, wife, I mean, friends, they would have been at Target Field for for your major league debut, but just the craziness of of this particular year, just that that couldn't take place.
4: Yeah, it was disappointing for sure. Um, my wife was able to fly up and be with me, obviously, for the debut of the first few games. She couldn't go to the games, obviously, but but she was in town. Um, you know, parents had to watch on TV, friends had to watch on TV, all that stuff, which obviously we would have, you know, if you could choose, you'd have it the other way where they could come to the stadium in person, but I don't think it makes it any less special. And you know, in a way, you kind of get the initial debut this year, and then next year you kind of get another debut when your friends and family can can come watch um and you have fans in the stands and things like that so there's definitely i mean you kind of you can twist it as much as you want and try to make it a positive it was disappointing obviously but you know make the best of it uh situation
1: and i suppose what was it just a few days later it was it was plisac i mean you're just getting your feet wet what was it 20 something plate appearances yeah you know, you're rolling it was at that point you had to hit just about every game you know you were you were getting comfortable then all of a sudden just weird circumstances, right? You were you were checking your swing, and Plesek, who normally has pretty good command, just, you know, the ball just kind of sailed, huh?
4: Yeah, I think it was – I think I saw I was the only guy he hit all year. Um, I think I saw that stat. So it's just kind of a, a freak thing, an unfortunate thing that happened. Um, you know, I was get I was comfortable in the box at that point. I felt like I was swinging well. But, uh, you know, things like that happen, you just kind of kind of use it to, to learn from the experience that I got and motivate me for next year to kind of continue that momentum rolling into next season.
1: When did you know? I mean, was it instant that you knew that, okay, this is this is a pretty serious injury?
4: Yeah, I knew it was broken um, as, soon as, it, as soon as it hit it pretty much. It was pretty intense pain, and then I kind of got the numbness running down to my fingers and into my hands. So I, I had a pretty good idea right away before uh, before Mike or before Rocco came out that I pretty much knew it was broken. We were going to have to, you know, for sure come out of the game and then do something about it um, after that.
1: When did you find out that you would ultimately need surgery?
4: uh probably three minutes later once we got back into the training room got under the x-ray machine and uh the x-ray made it pretty apparent that it was going to need some um you know procedure to put the bone back in place and kind of stabilize it so it could heal properly
1: and i mean since then i mean when was the surgery date was it you know going back now about what six seven eight weeks and and you're doing okay now
4: i think post-op i'm now right at 11 weeks Um, So it's been a while. Yeah, it's going well. Rehab's going really well. Physical therapy's gone smoothly. Uh, I hit for the first time today, which went well. No issues at all. No pain. um, You know, no restrictions or anything. So everything's gone as as good as we could have hoped for so far. Um, I'm just excited to kind of get back into the hitting routine. Uh, Start swinging at the soft season to get ready for spring training. But yeah, uh, so far everything has gone um, according to plan. No setbacks, no hiccups at all. So I've been really thankful for that.
1: And, I mean, normal circumstances, I mean, is this about when you start to ramp things up anyway in terms of of swinging that normally maybe November you you tone it down a little bit, start to ramp up as the calendar flips to December?
4: Yeah, normally for me um, this would be the exact time. So even with no injury, uh, after the season's over, I put the bat down until the week after Thanksgiving normally and we start to pick back up. And uh, even then you just go, you know, two, three times a week, kind of ramp it up to four times a week into December and then you start hitting every day um in the weeks leading up to spring training but yeah it didn't it really didn't affect my off-season schedule at all um, obviously besides having to go through the PT things and having to take a few weeks off of of strength training and things like that but as far as baseball activities this would be uh the normal starting period for me anyway so um that was a good thing to kind of we got the surgery out of the way it was wasn't it's not going to affect the off-season uh, my routine at all
1: so take me through today I mean was it some soft toss just hitting off a tee
4: uh just some BP stuff um a few T swings, you know, early on, just to kind of see how it felt. But I'm not a huge T guy when it comes to actually, you know, working, going through my routine. So, uh, you know, that was just a little bit to see how it felt, make sure it felt okay, which it did. We moved into some BP stuff, which, um, you know, just took, not a ton of swings, but just enough to kind of get the feel back and and get a gauge on where we were uh, strength wise and mobility wise, which I was very pleased with how it went. I felt like you know I swung the bat well, um, for obviously not swung for a few months, and most importantly, there was no pain or no restrictions with range of motion or anything like that. So I was very pleased, um, you know, with how it felt today, and I'm excited to kind of you know keep getting stronger moving forward.
1: Where is rehab home? I mean, are you down in Fort Myers? Are you able to do it where wherever just normal home base is?
4: Yeah, um, I'm in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, just south of Nashville is where we live. Uh, we've got we've got a rehab facility up here that, that um, we use for a lot of our physical therapy stuff. Um, or we meaning the guys who train here in Nashville um, that they, they had a they knew, um doctor husband who did my surgery up in, Min, uh, in Minneapolis. So we were able to get that set up where I could just do my rehab from home, which has been nice. Obviously, being in the hotel at the side for three months, not being able to be with my wife, it's been nice to be home. Um, for a little bit and, you know, sleep in my own bed and kind of have a normal off-season somewhat.
1: Everything you experienced in, in 2020, how does that motivate you heading into 2021?
4: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I move into 2021 with some confidence, knowing that, you know, I, I I can have success at the big league level. I think I showed that. I think I, I showed that I'm ready to compete there, ready to contribute there, um, and and I'm going to do so at a high, high enough level to help the team win, whatever that role may be for me moving forward. So, uh, it's, it's really exciting for me to kind of get the initial, you know, the, the initial call up, the initial debut, all that stuff out of the way so I can move forward to 2021 with a little bit different expectations and, um, you know, motivations going into spring training that I've had in years past that, you know, now I'm looking to, to make a team out of camp and I'm looking to really, you know, put myself in a position on the roster to to kind of cement myself um, in a role moving forward that, that'll help, uh, you know, us win as many games as we can
1: defensively, is there one particular position that you would like to be cemented in at?
4: Uh, no, I mean, I want to do whatever I can to get on the field as much as possible, which I think for me is going to be uh, having the ability to play both corner outfield um, spots and first base, um, you know, at a level where they feel comfortable to be playing all three of those spots. So I think that's kind of the, the role that we envision for me moving forward, I think, is maybe being able to move around a little bit. Um, and kind of kind of give, give us that versatility, um, you know, for me personally and as a roster as a whole. So I'm going to keep working at, at first base as well as both corner spots, um, get as good as I can at all three of those, and I think that will put me in the best position, um, you know, moving forward.
1: Are you curious to see what what moves take place? I mean, there could be some DH at best. I think a lot of us, you know, hope that, that Nelson Cruz is back. He's certainly fun to cover. I think a lot of fans hope he's back. I think Derek and everybody in the front office, hope he's back, but he is a free agent. He has some options. So, I mean, there could be some DH opportunities potentially. We don't know what will take place with, with Rosario. So there could be some, you know, who knows, maybe some moving parts where maybe Max shifts to left and maybe right field's open or maybe left field is open, but, but those positions in particular, are you curious to see what, what shakes out? Yeah, for sure. I
4: mean, you, you say that I think everybody in the, in the organization and said he hopes now he's back as as good of a player as he is and as good of a presence as he is, um in the locker room as far as the veteran leadership um goes. So obviously everybody's hoping that he's back. Uh and then for me, you know, my goal is I mean, obviously I can't worry about any of that stuff. I can't make any of those decisions. I just seem to come into spring training being as prepared as possible for whatever roles are available to just try to compete and win one of those jobs um and by by performing well, by taking care of my business by doing, you know, what I think I can do and what I know I can do.
1: What's your level of confidence that that spring training will start at its normal time that that we'll see a full baseball season?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think anybody really knows at this point. I mean, I'm sure somebody does, but they haven't informed us if they do. Um, so we're just kind of sitting around waiting to hear, you know, the rumblings of spring training being pushed back a month or six weeks or whatever it is. Uh, I haven't – you know, no one's heard anything concrete about any of that. But, um, you know, the good news is we're prepared for things like that to happen. We're prepared for uncertain start dates, that's what we went through last summer for a good – know two and a two and a half months so it might be the the off season just drawn out a little bit more it gives you a little bit more time to prepare um for whenever spring training does start you know you're ready to go when it uh when it fires up
1: how much brent did you enjoy your experience at chs field with with an expected announcement as soon as tomorrow tuesday that that chs field will be the home of of the twins triple a affiliate yeah they've
4: got great facilities over there it's 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 a great park um it'll do very well um hosting a triple a team which obviously that's that's the expectation um i think as far as the stadium sets up as far as the locker room uh the cages all that goes it'll be a really good setup for for the for the triple a level i think just having that proximity to target field as far as the development standpoint goes as far as a rehab standpoint goes with guys being able to you know do their workout at target field in the morning and then get rehab at bats at night um at chs or whatever whatever the case may be is as well as you know having the ability for coaches to come over uh, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, whatever it is, uh, you know, if, if Wes wants to come over and see someone throw or if Edgar wants to come over and get some reps with some guys uh, in the cage pregame, you know, they have that ability now. So I think from a development standpoint, it's going to be huge. It's going to be very beneficial as well as the ability to put on uh, an entertainment, entertaining product at that A stadium will be pretty easy because obviously the Saints have a really good organization with a, a good history of, of providing some good entertainment some good and a good product.
1: I suppose too, just the volatility of, of your business when when you have options that like you know you can you can at least sign a lease for a place in the twin yeah, cities. Like I was talking to Caleb Fieldbar the other day, and Caleb's like, yeah, like you know, my hope is I, I make the opening day roster, but in the event I don't, like I don't need to scramble to find a place in Rochester, New York. I'll just get a place right here in the Twin Cities.
4: No doubt. That's a huge thing. I've just I've talked to my wife about a ton is just how much easier it's gonna be on us being able to sign you know, one lease for the season, not have to worry about having to pick all our stuff up and move and then move back and go back and forth or do whatever. It's going to make it much easier to kind of go in and, and get settled no matter what the situation is, um, whatever, you know, whether I'm in the big leagues or in the AAA level, uh, it's going to make it a lot easier on on us moving and, and just the ability to kind of settle down and, and be comfortable um, not having to worry about picking up and moving.
1: It's all new to you, but Brent, do you think there's something to be said about that it's tougher to maintain your spot in the big leagues and to actually make it as hard as it is. And your accomplishment is one heck of an accomplishment, but now it's, it's actually tougher to maintain that roster spot.
4: I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. I think you're right. I think once you get up there, you kind of look around and you see, you know, everybody on the field right now is really, really good. Everybody on the field right now wants to do the same thing, which is play every day in the big leagues and everybody up here. There are a lot of guys up there, you know, have this have that ability to be an everyday guy in the big leagues um, one way or another with one team or another. So You know, you get you get there, obviously, based on what you've done in the minor leagues and based on what you've done, you know, even before that. And then once you get up there, you've got to produce, you've got to help a team win or or, you know, you're not going to stick around very long, which is the first goal, obviously, like you said, is to make it and and to get that call up and to make that debut. And the second goal is to stay there for a long time. So with the first one kind of crossed off, now my my attention turns and doing what I need to do, and continue to develop and and learn and become a player that can that can stick around for a long time and play at the big league level for a long time.
1: How tight is is the group of you guys? Like you, Larnick, Kirilov. I think about Royce Lewis. Just some of the some of the younger type hitters.
4: Yeah, um, that was a cool part of the alternate site for me. Is I've been friends with Royce and AK and and Travis and Trevor. I've been friends with all these guys for a long time, but I've never gotten to play with them um, just because of our age difference. I was always you know a level or two ahead in the minor league system just because I'm older than they are, but. The ability to kind of be with them every day this summer and kind of see them work and, and and learn together and grow together and improve together was was fun for me because we've had that personal friendship and that personal relationship. And, you know, we got to do that at a, at a from a baseball standpoint as well this summer. So it was cool. Um, I talked to all those guys pretty often. Um, there's a, obviously that that group of guys you just talked about is really, really talented and has a really bright future um, playing baseball as well as, you know, they're all great guys. Uh, really fun to hang out with and and fun to get to work with for sure.
1: Mississippi State, right? Yeah. Did you accept the Egg Bowl loss okay over the weekend?
4: Yeah, it was all right. We've won the last few um, this year, is so we're man, we were down to forty whatever scholarship players. Oh, that was you. That right, we're good. Sorry, yeah, went black for a second. We're down to forty whatever scholarship players. We had, you know, we've got, we're running eighty percent freshmen out there right now. You know, I was, I was honestly proud of the way they played, the proud of the way they they've competed the last two weeks, and this kind of weird. So we have the numbers that we have right now. We could easily opt to not play these games, and we opted to play Georgia, played well, and opted to play the Egg Bowl, and and you know competed at a pretty at a pretty good clip. So you know this this year is kind of I don't want to say throwaway year as far as college football goes, but it's definitely not the normal um, setup uh, and and year that we're used to seeing. So I'm excited for Mike Leach moving forward. I think he's going to do a good job with the program and and kind of build from the ground up. And I think we're going to com- improve over the next few years.
1: And Mike is about as as entertaining as it gets, like for sure. know, just, just to create, you know, a, a buzz about the program. I mean, Mike Leach is going to do that for you guys.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to be great uh, recruiting wise. He's going to get a different style of athlete than we're used to. I think at Mississippi state, as far as kind of going to this air raid offense, I think he's going to do really well recruiting um, guys from the Southeast to that system, just because it's so unique um, to the sec. I think, you know, guys who are sec caliber athletes, he might be able to draw some of those guys in Mississippi State that we haven't been previously able to get because of the the style of offense we're going to play. So I think it's, I think it's an exciting time. I think we got a, a pretty bright future.
1: You're a pretty big sports fan. I mean, just following you on Twitter, it seems like you you pay you pay pretty close attention to the other sports.
4: Yeah, I'm pretty in tune with what's going on. I like to watch a variety of different things and just kind of. I think there's a lot of value in, in learning from other sports, whether it's, you know, ways to, ways to work at sports, ways to think about, you know, improvement, things like that. I think there's a ton of value in, in not just watching baseball all the time, but kind of branching out and enjoying other things as well.
1: Like you play fantasy football? Are you in the Twins Fantasy Football League? I'm not a
4: fantasy football guy. I never have been. I don't know why. I've just never really gotten into it. I've, I mean, I've tried to play a few years and I get to week three and kind of don't really like just kind of lose interest and don't really – keep up with my team. I don't want to be a hindrance on any leagues because I'm the guy not filling out his lineup or whatever, but I've never been a huge fantasy football guy. No. I
1: mean, it's crazy anyway, like this particular week, like Pittsburgh and Baltimore are supposed to play tomorrow, but now there's talk of that game being pushed back. Like my thought Brent is any game right now is a blessing. If a game happens. Yeah. Fantastic. But, but my expectation level for any game taking place is pretty minimal.
4: Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. Any, any live sports we get on, on tv and and happening right now is is just it's it's awesome it's uh you know the fact that we got through a full major league baseball season with not really without really having any incidents until the last game obviously was a huge blessing i think it's a um i think it's a huge just kind of it speaks to how well the teams did um following the protocol and making sure everything went as smoothly as possible to make sure we got a full season in
1: yeah i mean think about it without the bubble setup like we're seeing it now nfl college football like across the board. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, it speaks to, to the job that, that the twins did and a lot of teams did, right? Just to keep you guys protected.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the, the system was really well thought out and it was effective. Um, you see when, when teams followed it closely, when teams followed pro- protocol, it was very effective in preventing any kind of outbreak or any kind of spread, we were able to get through a whole season by doing it. And granted, with some hiccups along the way, having to play a bunch of doubleheaders and reschedule games and whatnot. But and we're still able to get through, which is cool. And I think that's an encouraging part moving into 2021. Is even if something weird happens, and um you know, we we got to delay spring training or not have fans or, or kind of go through this whole thing again. The the protocol is already in place. The kind of procedures are already in place. There's not going to be a huge. Uh, time period where we got to figure things out because we already kind of know how to do it, and how to do it effectively. And it should, it should speed things up. Um, You know, should, should that be the case? And should we have to kind of go back through this whole, this whole uh, weird season again?
1: Brent Rooker of the twins. So as that interview was playing back here on the podcast, Ken Rosenthal, the first to report, absolutely no surprise, but that Eddie Rosario is on outright waivers. The twins have tried to trade Eddie, Nobody wants to give up anything and then have to pay Eddie close to $10 million via arbitration. He'll land somewhere eventually, but he's not making $10 million a year. So bottom line, the Eddie Rosario twins era, it was a lengthy era. He did some good, fun player, entertaining player. Put it this way, you never knew what the heck was going to take place there in left field or at the plate. Although his plate discipline got a lot better this year, but the numbers... Just not there to justify being paid $10 million a year. So bottom line, Eddie Rosario's time with the Twins is over. The aforementioned conversation I had with Caleb Thielbar that I brought up with Brent Rooker is about to come your way. My conversation the other day with Twins reliever Caleb Thielbar. Caleb, it was about one year ago, give or take a few days, but about one year ago, you signed back with the Twins. Just How incredible has the journey been? Put into words how incredible it's been just this last year for you.
0: Well, it's been, I mean, it's just been a lot of fun. Obviously, it's the team that I, that I care most about, and uh, it, you know, it's just a fun summer to be back with them, uh, you know, win a division title, uh, play, get to play in the playoffs for the first time. Um, you know, it's just an incredible group of guys. I mean, group that I've played with coming up, um, and you I'm just I'm just happy to see, you know, most of them have the success that they've had and, you know, to be a part of it for a little bit while longer uh, has been awesome.
1: How about your own individual success though, Caleb? Just the story of of perseverance. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it was April of 2015 then August of 2020 between major league appearances. I mean, that's as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was there was a long Obviously, there was a long time in between them, but at the same time, uh, you know what happened with, with with my arm and everything, and I, I had to figure some things out. And you know, I wish it wouldn't have taken five years, but um, you know, sometimes the sometimes the journey's worth it. I mean, I'm just I'm just thankful that I was able to keep playing that long uh, and stay healthy enough to do so, but you know, being, being back with the twins is obviously where I wanted to be the whole time. So um, it's a, it's pretty awesome that it actually happened. And I'm just, just real thankful for it.
1: What were some of the key, some of the adjustments that you made? I mean, to me, the obvious one would be, you know, just mastering that, that what is it? 68 mile per hour curveball. I mean, did you have the curveball going back five, six, seven years? Is that a new pitch that you developed?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I always threw a curveball, but it wasn't as good as it is, it is as it is now. Uh, still working on it a little bit. My command of it was pretty bad last season. So trying to figure out, maybe sacrifice a little movement for a little bit better command of it. And hopefully that'll make it an overall better pitch next summer. Um, but I mean, most of it was mechanical. Uh, my actually a lot of it was arm action more than anything, you know, having more, much more efficient arm action allows me to stay healthier and, you know, the healthier, healthier you feel, the harder you're going to throw and the more consistent you're going to be. So that was, that was the main, the main thing, but yeah, I mean, overall refining pitches, just kind of exploiting the things that I already did well and trying to make them, make them better was kind of the main thing.
1: I mean, is there a sense of excitement that that you know that the curveball can be better like there was a stretch Caleb where where you had 10 consecutive scoreless appearances I mean you're inheriting runners they're not scoring at one point it was it was 12 of 13 I mean your numbers over the summer were really good but now you're telling me that that you think the curveball there's there's more there I mean how much does that excite you
0: Yeah I mean I honestly I I, I I think I pitched better in 2019 than I did this summer. I mean, my stuff was a little bit better, but, uh, from a, from a pitching standpoint, uh, I didn't, I didn't throw, I didn't throw any off-speed in the zone, hardly at all this summer. And toward the end, you could see a little bit, you know, there was, there was a lot fewer, fewer swings and misses out of the zone. Um, guys were, guys were taking it a lot easier and kind of eliminating the slider because i i couldn't throw that in the zone at all i mean so i think i think that what i was doing with the curveball the summer before if i can get back to that where i was throwing it in the zone 50 to 60 percent of the time that's that's where i really need to be and that it wasn't there last summer so there's a lot of room for improvement um you know trying to keep the the pure stuff the good the good carry on the fastball and and good break on both breaking pitches, trying to keep that, but also just kind of refine it and be able to throw them in the zone a lot better and get ahead of guys and finish them a lot better than I did last summer.
1: On the fastball, are you just predominantly now a four-seam fastball
3: guy?
0: Yeah, I don't throw a two seam anymore. It was always terrible. So it, it was one of those one of those things that was drilled into me from when I was young, gotta throw, gotta throw a two seam and a four seam, and now just looking at the Looking at the data, the two-seam was always terrible, so why why keep throwing it if the four-seam is a really good pitch?
1: When you look at just the totality of 2020, I mean, how much can you attribute to just the atypical nature of, of how everything went? I mean, you're talking about how you feel like, you know, your stuff maybe was better in 2019 compared to 2020, but like I think about it, right, you ramp up February into March, then shut down, the next thing you know, you're part of the 60-man roster, you're over at CHS Field. Then snap of the fingers, you're over at target field. Like it was, it was such an atypical year, right?
0: Yeah. I guess you know, having the having that real short spring training once we actually got rolling again, that that kind of played against me a little bit, I feel like. Um, you know, spring training was was really good. I was really ramping up well and I think had my best outing of the spring by far was the was the last one and really felt like I was in a good spot. Uh, Moving forward, and then we got shut down for a couple months, and it's kind of hard to keep that. It's really hard to keep keep the consistency when you're not facing hitters for I don't know what was it two to three months, and then when we got back, we just never never quite got to got back to where I was in the spring, and then. um, But fortunately, was able to kind of figure things out in St. Paul and and got called back up and and uh, I guess the rest is history there.
1: Because of the atypical nature of of 2020 do you change anything you know these months as the calendar flips to December you know how you normally would prepare December January into February do you do anything differently this year compared to previous years
0: Uh, I'm doing I'm doing some things a little bit differently I you know I never I never stopped throwing for the last about three years now so that's not totally different but getting back in the weight room right away was was a change that I made after talking to some guys about they go about their off-season routines and um you know getting back and getting back in right away really helped to i guess i guess kind of shorten the curve of of the soreness that you get when you first start lifting again and and really be able to keep the strength and build on that and i think i've seen some really positive things so far this this off season and really trying to uh, just from a throwing standpoint work on work on velocity was not happy at all with my velocity this summer and have really seen some some positive gains there too so looking forward to hopefully we'll have a a normal spring training I you know I'm not counting on it but hopefully that'll happen and and uh, be able to show off what I've been working on I guess
1: what are some of the goals in terms of of velocity like were you at about 90 90 and a half 91 this past summer I mean do you feel like there's there's a couple upticks there
0: um i threw too many pitches in the 88 89 range i i i don't want to throw a fastball under 90 basically um so hopefully can hopefully can get back to um uh, you know that that was something i referenced from 2019 my fastball velocity was about a mile and a half harder than it was this summer um and i and i think i can get back there and i think some of the things that i've been doing after went to driveline right after the season got an, uh, got an assessment done and have been doing some different drills that I've done in the past and have really seen some some good gains so far there so I think that they should be able to translate to the mound too. uh the drills that I've been doing I, I feel like are a little bit a little bit better for translating to the mound
1: what sort of resources is driveline I mean heck with without those folks are you back in the majors this past season
0: no I mean I'm probably not playing baseball at all until you know after 2015, honestly. Uh I guess I you know I probably could have played with with St. Paul for a few years, but I never would have gotten re-signed or or been able to get back into an organization to begin with. So
1: so uh, I mean I don't, what specifically
0: don't think that, that it would have happened before that
1: So I mean what, I what mean, specifically did a, they did they refine?
0: A lot of it was you know the drills that, that I do uh, were what was responsible for the arm health, uh, the better arm path, better, you know, just being more efficient with my body. And, and that, that was kind of, that was kind of the main thing. But I mean, I think the other part of it is workload, um, understanding how much I can throw and still feel good, uh, the recovery aspect of it so that I feel good the next day too. Uh, I, I think, I think the real, the real thing other than the arm action arm action piece was, was the work ethic piece, understanding, you know, how much harder I actually can work. You know, I always thought, I always thought I threw a lot. I thought I, thought I worked hard, but until I went out there, I, I, I didn't really realize what hard work actually meant.
1: When you said that, that you talked to some guys about about what to do this particular off season, who, who specifically did you, did you lean on for advice?
0: Uh, Clippard. I did quite a bit just cause, you know, we're both, uh, mid thirties guys. Um and he he's obviously been doing it for way longer than anyone else too. And he he kind of really really encouraged me, you know, get back in the weight room right away. And I think that it's I think it's a good thing. I mean, you know, he I I was kind of surprised to hear him say that. I figured I figured a guy like him would shut it down for a couple months and and then start ramping it up, you know, as as you go into spring training because he's um you know, a guy like that has had so much success and Has probably the upper hand on making teams coming into spring, but he uh, he said no. I'm. I've been. I get right back in there right away and get after it again.
1: How much would you like to see him resign with the Twins?
0: I mean, I I think I think he'd be good. I mean, he's a great guy first off, and obviously he's a really good pitcher still too. So we'll uh, we'll let that take care of itself. But I mean, I I wouldn't mind spending some more time with him.
1: I don't know in this COVID world how much face to face interaction you've had with with folks there in in South Dakota or you know via your hometown or or wherever but but how often over the last you know handful of weeks when you've had some interactions with folks how often do you just get the well wishes and, and people just saying Caleb your your story of perseverance is is remarkable
0: yeah I mean quite a bit honestly it was, was that the the thing that kind of struck me is that, you know, I I have a fishing trip with with some high school friends every every fall and and they were saying it to me and that that was kind of cool cuz it's always been you know that's a that's a trip for i mean we just uh give each other crap the entire time so to hear them you know say genuinely like we're we're really happy for you and everything i mean that's 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 when it's really cool and you know i really appreciate that
1: when you look at at 2021 i mean is your mindset that that you need to head to fort myers presuming that we have the semblance of of normalcy some sense of normalcy a regular spring training a a regular regular season is your mindset that you need to go down to Fort Myers and win a job that that just because you had success in 2020 that you're not guaranteed anything for 2021?
0: Yeah absolutely I mean I think I think the only the only spring I actually felt comfortable and I probably shouldn't have was 2014 spring when I actually made the team out of camp but um, after that year it was pretty clear that nothing nothing's going to come easy and i guess that's kind of been my mindset every every camp that i've gone to is to is to make a team uh, regardless of whether it happens or not um that's that's kind of the mindset and I, don't, I mean i don't i don't see why you'd go to camp with any other mindset honestly i mean unless you're unless you're a guy that's absolutely locked in no chance you're going to the minor leagues i mean you have to go down there with the mindset that i'm gonna i'm in a competition and i have to win the win the job
1: how do you think the way last year ended for you guys—the playoff loss to Houston—how much does that motivate you? How much do you think it motivates the team?
0: I mean, we all we all know what the what the record is right now, and uh, I mean, obviously none of us none of us are trying to add to that. And like we want to we want to win, we want to win a World Series. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. That's the that's the whole reason we play. So, I mean, I feel like. I feel like the you know the last couple of years gives guys motivation to come back and and get that monkey off our backs and and go as far as we can. I mean we we have the pieces to do it. But it's just a matter of a matter of finally getting it done in the playoffs and I think that this is the group that can do it. Like we just got to get out there and get it done. I hit you
1: with a couple more. All signs point to CHS field where you were in the summer where you played for the St. Saint Paul Saints being the triple a home of the twins. I think we'll have some news here as soon as, as soon as tomorrow, as soon as Tuesday, just how, how cool will that be that CHS field will be the triple a home of the twins?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a win-win all around, honestly. I mean, it's a, obviously it's a great stadium, uh, great fans pack that place out all the time. You know, the saints do a really good job with the marketing and everything. And, you know, it's a, it's a win-win for the players. I mean, especially guys that are going to be bounced up and down. You know, you don't have to worry about having a place in Rochester or place in, in Minnesota. Um, you can just get your own place all summer long and no matter where you are, you're, you're good. I think from that standpoint, it's that, that's probably the biggest one on the player's side. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun place to play. I mean, it's, it's obviously a great place to go to a game. It's a great place to play and just a and to make that a A atmosphere is going to be even better, I think, for the fans and the players.
1: And the setup when you were there in, in July for those first couple of days in August, I mean, everything was first class from your experience in the summer there?
0: I mean, St. Paul's first class for, you know, ev- all, of, all of the time that I've been there, even when they were playing at Old Midway. I mean, it was, it was still a first-class organization. They still did everything the right way. And, you know, I think that getting the Getting to have their chance in AAA is going to be is going to be really cool for them, but also really cool for the fans and the players too.
1: And I'll leave you with this: is is the plan still to be coaching there at Augustana? I don't even know what what the season might look like, but but are you helping out at Augustana as pitching coach? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm still helping out helping out down there. It's been it's been fun. We have a we've we got a really good group of guys. So that's that's kind of that that was kind of the main motivation for coming back and you know continuing to help them and and it's been a fun fall helping them out. And, and uh, I'm guessing the, the spring will go really well for really well for us out here too.
1: And I mean, you just, you keep helping them out. So like, you know, now, and, and as we get deeper into December, into January, until you head to Fort Myers, you'll be there pretty regularly.
0: Yeah. I mean, that you know right now it's a, it's a pretty small group because the, you know, they shut the school down now, now that Thanksgiving break hit, you know, the last couple of weeks are at home finals are at home, but they're still grouped group of guys that are, are from the area that are still hanging around. And so I've been going down there a couple times a week and helping out with them and getting my, getting my work into. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a good situation all around.
1: And then your wife is, is coaching college basketball. Their, their season is, is off the ground.
0: Yeah, they just started, uh, got a big win on Saturday over Iowa state. So that was a, that was a good, good win to start the season. But uh, as far as, I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's 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 up in the air as much as any other college sport. So, we'll see how it all how it all works out. But so far, so good through one game, anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, I we just got news that the the Gopher football game on Saturday is now canceled. You know, last Saturday was this canceled. coming I mean, Saturday. Yeah, the one this against Northwestern. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I mean, you're right. I mean, at this point, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I view it, Caleb is any game we get, especially at the collegiate level, any game we get is a blessing.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. Hopefully hopefully we can get through this through this winter and get back to some sense of normalcy by the by the time spring training hits. Like I said, I'm not super confident that's going to happen, but we have the, you know, the vaccines are coming and um you know, a lot of people are getting it right now, so that you know, helps in one way, hurts in another, but um you know, we'll Hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get through this winter and and things'll will, things'll will be looking looking a little bit brighter.
1: Agree. I mean, do you think just maybe things get pushed back instead of you know you reporting whatever the date is in in February? Maybe they push things back a month or two as as more people can be vaccinated.
0: You know, I I honestly don't know what their what their plan is. I mean, as far as I know, they have the don't they have the full schedule out? I mean, they're planning on it as of now, but I, I don't know what to expect after this summer. So. I'm not going to speculate.
1: Twins reliever, Minnesota native, Caleb Thielbar. Just a great story of perseverance going nearly five years between major league appearances. I don't want this podcast to go two hours. I'm hungry. I talked to Jake Ratzlaff of Rosemount the other day about his commitment to the Wisconsin Badgers football program. If you want to watch that conversation, it's on the KSTP website, the sports page, kstp.com backslash sports. Otherwise, maybe I'll save it for my next podcast. He was great on why Wisconsin, why not P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. How hard was it to tell Bob Motsko and the Gophers men's hockey program? No. He initially committed to Gophers hockey three years ago, but then got better and better at football. Football is his first love. He's also an excellent baseball player in fact he'll be back for the baseball season but he will miss Rosemount's hockey season he's undergoing an upper body surgery I forget shoulder he tells me in the conversation but anyway he's he's undergoing surgery here pretty quick so he will miss his senior hockey season but should be back for the baseball season then he'll head to Madison like late May early June for summer workouts So in that event, we are done. Thank you for listening. This has been Scoop Podcast Episode 324 on this Tuesday night, the 1st of December. Stay safe. Stay sane.